And we are rolling. Welcome to Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. And I am your host, Alex Painter. Thank you for joining us. This is episode five. Hard to believe, but it's episode five, and this is our big season preview episode. So buckle in. We have a lot to discuss. But first, as always, I'd like to give some thank yous. So first of all, thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening. And since I've said it before, I'll say it again. There are two primary components to a podcast, one of which is the podcaster, uh, but the more important role is, of course, that of the listener. So I really appreciate you uh, you all for listening and sharing and liking and commenting, sending the show messages, whatever have you. And so we'll have some time at the very end of the episode. I do have some people to shout out to and some messages to read. So we will be sure to touch, uh, touch on all of those towards the end of the, towards the, end of the show. And uh, thank you, as always, to Joseph Rakish for our theme song, Knut Rockney. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, however you digest music. Find the song and add it to your pregame playlist. As I mentioned, I know I sure do. I listen to it every single Saturday before Notre Dame plays. So give it a listen, give it a spin, support uh, those who support us, and thanks to him personally for allowing the show exclusive access and usage to the song. So you can find Onward to Victory on Apple Podcasts. So if you own an iPhone, just click that purple app on your phone, Podcasts. You can find us there if you search Onward to Victory or if you search Notre Dame football. Uh, We're also on Podbean. That's actually our host website. So you can find the show there at onwardtovictory.podbean.com. And we're also on CastBox. So don't hesitate to to go find us, go favorite, go like, or subscribe, just so you can be notified of new episodes. You know, uh, we'd love to get you, as many of you, on board to listen as regularly as possible. And so if you happen to have found us from Apple Podcasts, which I think a number of you have, which I'm very, very happy about, you can go over to facebook.com slash onward to victory podcast. So that's what I refer to as HQ. That's the Facebook website. So All of the show updates are kind of funneled through there. But if you would like to send the show an email, you can do so at onwardtovictorypodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to become a consensus VIP All-American, at least in the Onward to Victory podcast eyes, you feel free to uh, jump over to paypal.me slash onwardtovictory. If you donate money to the show, it could be $5, it could be $3, whatever have you, whatever, uh, whatever you feel the show is worthy of, I will uh, send you some of our most recent merch, as I mentioned, the, uh, the fridge magnet, business card size fridge magnet, as well as the official Onward to Victory postcard. So if you happen to uh, feel so empowered to give to the show monetarily, I can tell you that all of the funds will go directly back into the show for better subscriptions, uh, better audio equipment. It will all go right into the show. So. Again, the, the link is paypal.me slash onward to victory if you'd like to donate uh, monetarily to the show. But as I mentioned in the past, most of the ways that you can help the show are 100% free of charge. And that's just continuing to like and share the Facebook uh, posts as well as following or subscribing on any of the podcast apps. So uh, we are, as it sits right now, at least the day this show will air, 
are exactly 18 days from the start of the 2019 Notre Dame football season. So I am like super excited for that. Uh, that was me clapping in the background, me trying to contain my excitement, I suppose. But on Monday, September 2nd, we're going to travel down to the University of Louisville where we will take on the Cardinals. That's an evening game, 8 p.m. And it will be not on the traditional NBC, but it will be on ESPN. So make sure you, you set your DVR just in case you want to Go back and rewatch it, or in case, unfortunately, you miss it. But who are we kidding? Nobody's missing this game. This is the opening to the season, and it couldn't be more exciting of a time. I will say that much. So I am actually really, really excited because um, I will actually be attending my second Notre Dame football game. So I actually bought tickets to go to uh, the New Mexico game. And so for much of my life, one might say I didn't really have the means to go to a, a Notre Dame football game. I'm a little bit older now. So I'm certainly taking advantage also of the fact that for a number of games this year, in case any of you missed it and you're kind of like me, uh, Notre Dame actually has, they're not great seats, mind you, but they do have several sections uh, that offer $45 tickets to the game. So if you're going to the New Mexico game, Bowling Green game, or the Boston College game. They have these $45 sections, and it's really cool that they do that. And it lets some people get through the, the front gates that otherwise might not have money to drop on the you know USC-type games or whatever have you. So I am super excited that I'll be taking my wife and my, my soon-to-be six-year-old son. So uh, some of you loyal listeners might remember back in episode two when I was talking to Jim Augustine of Augie's Locker Room. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, it's a really good one. But uh, he kind of mentioned like, you know, I, we don't really like brainwash our kids to like certain teams, but we secretly try really hard. It's almost like a covert operation as opposed to an overt operation. But either way, uh, he's going to go to his first Notre Dame game. It's my wife's first Notre Dame game. It's my second one. So I, I really hope to continue and make Notre Dame football even more of a family tradition than it kind of already is. And for my son, he is having a Notre Dame-themed birthday party uh, later this month, and then a couple weeks later he gets to go to his first game. So he's probably not as excited as he should be, in my opinion, but <laughs> he'll get there. But uh, anyway, so as I mentioned earlier, this is the uh, preview, season preview episode. So we have a lot we are going to do. So I'll kind of give you a quick uh, syllabus here of what we uh, intend on covering today. So we're going to go over the schedule. We're going to power rank, actually, Notre Dame's schedule. And we are going to be grading every position group. And as well as there was a really interesting article in Athlon Sports not too terribly long ago where there were six quotes from anonymous college football coaches who were asked to scout Notre Dame for 2019. So we're going to break down all six of those, uh, what I agree with, what I don't agree with. And then finally, just some overall predictions for the season. So Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. All right, so how about first a little brief overview. 2019 will be Notre Dame's 113th football season in school history. They sport an overall record of 841 wins, 310 losses, and 33 ties for a winning percentage of 72.4. So in those 113 years, Notre Dame has claimed 11 national titles 
and seven winners of the Heisman Trophy, and not to mention 101 consensus All-American. Our coach is none other than Brian Kelly, who sports an 81-35 and 35 record as head coach. Good for fifth all-time for a Notre Dame coach on the wins list. Should the Irish eclipse the seven-win mark this year, Kelly will actually have passed former coach uh, Frank Leahy for fourth on the list. Now, last season, the squad finished 12-1, clinching a berth in the college football playoff before falling to Clemson in the Cotton Bowl. At the end of the season, the Irish finished fifth in the AP poll behind Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and then Oklahoma. We actually just recently named our seven captains for the 2019 season, and they are on the offensive side of the ball, quarterback Ian Book, wide receiver Chris Fink, and offensive lineman Robert Hainsey. On the defensive side of the ball, our safety tandem of Jalen Elliott and Aloe Gilman, as well as our defensive end tandem of Khaled Kareem and Julian Okwara. And in looking at this group of uh, seven young men, it's hard really not to get super excited about them. It's Some of them were kind of no-brainers, I'd say, but still, it was good. It was a good group. I think that is, my high school football coach would actually often say, you know, you're only as, you only go as far as your seniors take you. And so we've got seven really good senior leaders who will be kind of taking, taking uh, the leadership role uh, in a more formal way this football season. All right, so let's go ahead and break down the schedule. So we have mo one Monday game, and that's the Labor Day game at Louisville, the season opener. And then in order, we have home against New Mexico, at Georgia, home against Virginia, home against Bowling Green, home against USC, at Michigan, home against Virginia Tech, at Duke, home against Navy, home against Boston College, and to round out the 2019 regular season, we are at Stanford. So as I mentioned earlier, we're going to go ahead and go through the power ranking of our opponents. So the power rankings are in three tiers. So we have tier three, tier two, and tier one. So tier three will be the easiest easiest games, and tier one will be the most difficult games. So we'll actually kind of cross-reference how we power rank the schedule uh, versus what the experts at Athlon Sports thought about uh, some of these games at the uh, towards the end of the show. So number 12 is, so in tier three, number 12, our easiest opponent, I believe, to be New Mexico. So that is game two. September 14th, New Mexico was 3-9 and nine in 2018 and 1-7 in the Mountain West. Number 11, Bowling Green. That's game 5, October 5th. They were 3-9 and nine in 2018 and 2-6 and in the MAC. Number 10 is Navy. Now, Navy, they had a bit of a down year last year. They went 3-10 and 10, uh, in the American Athletic Conference. We play them game 10 on November 16th. So they were certainly disappointed in... Their, their season, I'm sure. Now, the, the caveat about these rankings are this isn't how we traditionally, like, you know, Navy's normally would be a Tier 2 opponent, but this is kind of how they are constructed presently. So Navy is a, definitely a Tier 3 heading into this year. They look to kind of be a little bit down still. Uh, number 9 in the, the strongest team, I suppose, on Tier 3 is the University of Louisville, who we will have Game 1. So they had a dreadful season last year. They went 2-10 in 2018, 0-8 in the ACC. So I think most experts expect them to be better, though probably not seismically better, but it's I think it'd be really difficult for them to, to be worse than they were in 2018. So moving down to Tier 2. Uh, is is number eight Duke? So game nine, November 9th. They went eight and five in 2018, and three and five in the ACC, and they actually won the Independence Bowl. 
So they, they're losing their quarterback to the NFL. Daniel Jones was drafted first round, actually, to the New York Giants. They probably reached on him a little bit, maybe not. But anyway, so they, they'll be replacing the most important position on the field, and that's their quarterback. And I think that'll probably be the, even though it's a road game, that is uh, certainly probably the deciding point is we'll have a lot more experience at down at the quarterback position. So number seven is Boston College. That's our 11th game. They went 7-5 and five in 2018, 4-4 four and four in the ACC, so just a notch better than Duke, and actually made an appearance in the first responder bowl. Actually, let me walk that back. They were slated to play in the first responder bowl, but was canceled due to the, uh, the storms. Number seven is Boston College. Number six is USC, our sixth game on October 5th. They went 5-7 and seven in 2018 and 4-5 and five in the Pac-12. So they will uh, they'll be tough. They'll be tougher this year. Last year... We we should have probably played a little bit better. That was definitely a stressful one, if you Irish fans remember for us. It was the last game of the season to, to go 12-0. and But also, if you remember, the, the, the Irish, gosh, they had just a incredibly grueling travel schedule uh, going coast to coast, across the country, consecutive weeks. It felt like for the entire months of October and November. So what's nice about this game is we are playing them in South Bend. And so USC went 5-7 and seven last year and 4-5 and five in the Pac-12. Number five is Virginia Tech, game eight, November 2nd. So they went 6-7 and seven last year, 4-4 four and four in the ACC. They lost the military bowl. They barely squeaked the bowl eligibility with a 6-6 six and six record. So we play them. And a lot of experts think they're going to make a pretty big leap this year. So that is tier two. So just to recap, tier three, working our way down, New Mexico, Bowling Green, Navy, Louisville, then into Tier 2, Duke, Boston College, USC, and Virginia Tech. So now into the Tier 1. In Tier 1, coming in at number 4, I have Virginia. So they are also a team that looks like they've made some really significant strides. We last played them, gosh, it would be 2015 or 2016. It was, If you all remember, it was the game that Deshaun Kaiser actually came in off the bench and led that remarkable comeback win, hitting Will Fuller with a pass down the sideline at the very end of the game. It was one of the most exciting football games I've ever watched, but that was in Charlottesville. So this one is at home. And um, so Virginia went 8-5 and five last year and 4-4 four and four in the ACC, and they won the Belk Bowl. So Virginia coming in at number four. And our final three games are all road games, and I do think that that is definitely something of a, of a cause for concern as far as how the schedule has kind of built. So number three is our final game of the year, Game 12, Stanford. Now, uh, we hosted them last year, and we made pretty light work of them, it felt like, after a close quarter, quarter and a half. Uh, Notre Dame really blew the game open. But Stanford's going to be tough, and they are always tough on the road. And we kind of detailed Stanford-Notre Dame rivalry a couple episodes back in the Game of Inches episode about the 2012 Notre Dame-Stanford game. But they went 9-4 and four last year and 6-3 and three in the Pac-12, and they did end up winning their bowl game. So... I think they're going to be really tough, and it's a, always a really tough game for Notre Dame. And actually, I'll be honest, I had number three and number two kind of interchanged because I think while number three, Stanford, is going to be tough, I, I do. Number two, Michigan, I, it's definitely going to be tough because we're going to Ann Arbor. That's our seventh game of the season. And Michigan went 10-3 and three last year, 8-1 and one in the Big Ten, then lost the Peach Bowl. But a lot of people, myself included, are thinking Michigan might be one of the more overrated teams not just this year, but pretty much 
I mean, every year, they are kind of very predictable. They win the games they should win, and they lose the games they should lose. So I think that that's probably, like I said, Stanford and Michigan. I think Michigan's definitely probably more talented, but I don't know if it's a coaching thing uh, between David Shaw versus Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh just has yet to really win a big game, in my opinion. There's been some moderate wins, but I think Jim Harbaugh is probably the most overrated football coach in college football. Not to say he's a bad coach. He's obviously not a bad coach, but again, I think he gets vaunted to the upper tier of of college football coaches, and I don't know what it is. I think it's just because he had so much success in the NFL. He's a recognizable name, whereas I think Brian Kelly, some by some people, is a tier one football coach. I think he is personally, and I think the track record shows that he is, but uh, he's very rarely thought of in that regard. So number two, Michigan. And then number one, without question, is our game three matchup against the University of Georgia, the Bulldogs down in Athens on September 21st. The Bulldogs went 11-3 in 2018, 7-1 in the SEC. They did lose the Sugar Bowl, but Jake Fromm, quarterback, is back. And this is going to be Jake Fromm versus Ian Book. That is what everybody is going to be talking about. Jake Fromm is kind of a consensus top 10 player in the entire country. Top two, three quarterbacks, depending on who you talk to, along with Clemson and Alabama's quarterback. And Ian Book's typically a top four to six quarterback. So this is going to be a really good game. Notre Dame is going to go into a hostile environment and they can really kind of show their metal here. So when I was doing, okay, well, let me just review this really quick. So tier one opponents, number four, Virginia, Stanford, Michigan, and Georgia. So that is the schedule power ranked, uh, according to me anyways. So Notre Dame actually has the opportunity to have three straight 10 win seasons since 1991 through 93. So this could be a really big season for them, and I think they're going to be nipping at the heels of 10 wins, but we'll talk about that soon. But our opponents were 75 and 77 overall. So that record is sank a lot by the Tier 3 opponents, but, you know, that's kind of what you expect. Um, Notre Dame will remain one of two teams that has not scheduled a football championship series opponent an FCS. So USC scheduled one. So now it's just actually Notre Dame and UCLA who have not scheduled an FCS opponent in college football history. And so seven of our games, anyways, back on track, seven of our games are home games. So over the past two years, the Irish are 12-1 at home with a 923 winning percentage. That one game was when Georgia came up and we played a very tightly contested game. But something that was a little bit jarring when I went back and looked at it was the fact that seven, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of our opponents will be facing Notre Dame after coming off a bye week. I don't know how this is possible, but New Mexico, Bowling Green, Navy, Duke, Boston College, USC, and Virginia Tech. So if for those of you scoring, three of the four Tier 3 opponents... And the only one that's not coming off a bye is Louisville because it is our opening game. So three of the four Tier 3 opponents will be facing Notre Dame. Again, New Mexico, Bowling Green, and Navy coming off a bye week. Okay, so, but they are Tier 3 opponents. I don't anticipate us having much trouble with them. But where the schedule gets dicey is that all four of our Tier 2 opponents, Duke, Boston College, USC, and Virginia Tech, are all coming off bye weeks 
coming into the Notre Dame game, which gives them an extra week heading into to play Notre Dame to work on schemes, but also get healthier. Uh, I don't know how this is possible, and maybe maybe one of you have seen this before. I have not. Somehow, seven of our I guess really 11 eligible teams, because of course Louisville's not eligible because it's the opening game, are coming off bye weeks. So it is a bit jarring when you look at the schedule because Duke, Boston College, USC, and Virginia Tech, I think, depending on the Saturday, could all give Notre Dame issues. And they have given us issues in the past, and we've had really talented teams. Now, I think this is one of the more talented teams Notre Dame has had at least on paper, and well-coached team that Notre Dame has had. And so I think still we are playing at home, and that does give us a level of comfort and a, and a track record of success. But I just I was looking at the schedule, and I just couldn't believe it. I have never seen anything like it. So for us, there is a bit of a silver lining here, folks, and that is for us at least. We, will, uh, we have two easier opponents where maybe we can figure out some of our own X's and O's in scheme before we place before we play excuse me Georgia but our bye week is after the USC game and before the Michigan game so we will have that extra week to prepare for what I think is our second most difficult opponent in the University of Michigan so there is that that is the silver lining so that is power ranking the schedule let's go ahead and take a quick break and we'll jump into grading the position groups here both offensive and defensive we'll be right back All right, and let's get right into it. So we'll start on the offensive side of the ball, and I'll give projected starters. Now, we do know that there's still a couple weeks before the home opener, so this, this could change. But as it stands right now, these are who the projected starters are, at least in my opinion. Like I said, it, it's kind of a fluid situation since we're still in camp. But let's start with the offensive line. So the projected starters are uh, working <clears throat> excuse me, left to right, uh, senior Liam Eikenberg, junior Aaron Banks, sophomore Jarrett Patterson, Senior Tommy Kramer and junior Robert Hainsey. That's working left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. This is a strength of the team, no doubt. Josh Lug will provide depth at multiple positions, but notable departures are center Sam Mustafer and guard Alex Bars. But among the returners, there are 51 games started, and much of the line that started last year is still there. We've actually touched on this one in an earlier episode, and this is no doubt one of the Irish's strong points. And the team averaged... Last year, 183 yards per game on the ground, but of paramount importance, as we know, is they must keep Ian Book upright. And it's of the opinion of many that the offensive line has a couple guys who are geared to play on Sunday. So again, perceived strength of the team is, is up front, and this is a good position to be in. As I mentioned, we have 51 games started returning, and that, that's a really good position to be in. And Eichenberg... Is, is coming back at left tackle. And if you return your left tackle, that's typically, that's you're in a good spot. So offensive line, final grade is an A. Tight end, projected starter, well, was Cole Komet, who uh, was on the Onward to Victory watch list, the preseason watch list. And as many of you probably, are, uh, probably have heard, he broke his collarbone. So he is out anywhere between four and 10 weeks. Four would be quick. 10 is the absolute worst break he could probably suffer in recovery time. But so that kind of changes, excuse me, that kind of changes the grade a little bit. Even with him, 
The tight end position, though, Komet could prove to be very good, and he still could this year, despite the injury. That was definitely not a necessarily a position of weakness, but um, it, it wasn't it wasn't a team's strength. But so now that Komet's down, he might be back by Georgia. Hopefully, he's back by Georgia. Junior Brock Wright, uh, something of an H back for the Irish, will probably nudge in a lot more as a tight end, as well as a fullback and short yardage opportunities. So. There is a lot to prove, but a fair amount of upside as well. So <clears throat> tight ends, particularly with the Cole Komet injury, have received a C plus. Wide receivers, senior Chase Claypool, Chris Fink, and Michael Young slate to be the top three. Now between those first two, Claypool and Fink, you are returning 99 catches and six touchdowns as well as over 1,200 yards. So this is a good spot. Gone is Miles Boykin, though, drafted by the Ravens in his 77 career receptions and 11 career touchdowns. But this is another strength of the team. Ian Book will have some solid targets in the wide receiving core as two of the top three pass catchers from 2018 remain. So look for Claypool to garner the opposing team's marquee quarterback nearly every game. And Fink will probably prove to be an X-Factor again on third down uh, from his slot position. And uh, onward to victory watch list, uh, candidate Michael Young, though only seven catches for 139 yards and a touchdown last year, uh, he's got some top-shelf speed and should complement Fink's quickness and Claypool's size. So admittedly, Claypool's transition to the number one receiver will be what counts for the entire group. He needs to take that next step. But wide receivers, I'm giving a B plus. So just working a quick review here. Offensive line, A. I put tight ends in their own position group. I gave them a C plus. Wide receivers, B plus. So running back, we have the projected starter of junior Jafar Armstrong. So with Dexter Williams' suspension last year, we, we caught our first glimpse of Jafar Armstrong, pardon me. Six foot one, 220 pound back, and as many of us are aware, he was actually originally recruited to play wide receiver out of high school. So though his role did diminish in the offense after Williams returned, he did show he was an adept runner. He had 383 yards on the ground, uh, 5.3 yards per carry, and he pulled in 14 catches for 159 yards. So a lot of people are... A lot of people are talking about Jafar, and with good reason, but many people are talking about Tony Jones Jr., the backup. So these two will complement each other. Now, Jones Jr. had 412 yards last year. So they are the top two, two of the top three rushers coming back from a year ago. And both Armstrong and Jones Jr. are on the preseason Doak Walker Award watch list. So like I said, there's a ton of upside. And some of these grades might be a little stingy, but I'm trying to be realistic, okay? I, I think Jafar Armstrong and Tony Jones Jr. could prove to be very, very good. But as it stands right now, I'm going to give them a B-. Which brings us to our final offensive spot, quarterback. That's Ian Book, senior Ian Book, who had last year 2,628 passing yards, over 68% completion, 19 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. So when considering just how good the offense will be, look no further than the effectiveness of the sig signal caller, Ian Book. So he broke out last year, and he threw for at least 271 yards in 7 of his 9 starts. So he also showed some skills as a ball carrier, scoring 4 touchdowns on the ground. Now, as many of us are aware who follow the Irish very closely, this is actually the first year in many, several, that there's no quarterback controversy. We have a, we have a clear-cut number one. 
And that hasn't happened in a while, whether it was Deshaun Kaiser, Malik Zaire, Brandon Wimbush, Malik Zaire, Deshaun, uh, excuse me, uh, Everett Golson, and Tommy Reese. There's always just kind of been at least two guys coming into camp where it's kind of a toss-up. One could win the position over the other. And Brian Kelly has certainly shown that he has no problem using multiple quarterbacks, sometimes even multiple quarterbacks in a single game. But this is the year that we are penciling Book in. We're not penciling him in. We're, we're putting him in Sharpie as our quarterback. And he and his, his continued progress as quarterback will be the absolute difference maker and is the utter X factor for how successful the offense is. So uh, he is on the preseason Maxwell, Walter Camp, and Davey O'Brien watch list and is considered typically, as I mentioned, really depending on what you look at, he's between a 6 to 10, top 10 to 15 quarterback in the country heading into 2019. And the pressure's kind of on. The pressure's on. He's got two of his top pass catchers back and four starters on the offensive line, so he must be effective. He must be efficient in leading the Irish to points. And with some uncertainty on the defensive personnel front and more to come on that, Book will need to guide the Irish to roughly the same amount of points per game in 2019 as they had in 2018, roughly 31 or so to ensure success. And so we do have uh, sophomore. Uh, you know, the one thing that it makes me nervous about Ian Book is his injury history, and so it, again, paramount importance to keep him upright. But Phil Jerkovec is the sophomore backup, and he will be the backup number two quarterback going into the season. And just like there's been a quarterback controversy seemingly every year, we have used the number two quarterback every year. So don't be surprised if you know for a series or a quarter, or a half, perhaps, uh, hopefully not, but a game that he will have to come in and step in just in case there's an injury or anything else happens. But quarterback is still the offensive strength, and he, I say he, but I should say they, quarterbacks receive an A. So your total offensive grade is a B+. Plus. So the synopsis is, though there are some question marks on the offensive side of the ball, look for the uh, Irish's experience up front and under center, but as well as a diverse group of skill position players to carry the offensives, the Irish offensive output to hopefully similar numbers as last year. So let's keep on rolling. Grading the defensive position groups. So defensive line, this is, this is great here. Uh, from a defensive end standpoint, defensive ends get an A+. That is Julian Aquara and Khalid Kareem. So between the two, you had 13 sacks and 23 tackles for loss last year. Both are seniors, both are seasoned, and they have between them actually 18 career sacks. And not only that, they're deep. Dalen Hayes, who saw a lot of playing time last year and has five career sacks, is backing up, uh, backing up both. So we have some bad men on the defensive end. And with question marks at linebacker and corner, which we'll talk about, that we need to apply pressure up front. And if we don't, we could be in a lot of trouble. The interior line, the de so the defensive tackles, uh, have a little bit of experience. They'll certainly miss mainstay Jerry Tillery. I'll miss mainstay Jerry Tillery. I really, I really liked him. But junior uh, Myron uh, Tagovailoa, he will probably make some noise in the middle, as well as Kurt Heinisch. Uh, kind of a hard-nosed nose guard, kind of redundant, but still. Um, as well as uh, Jason Adamilola, so he had 19 tackles and a tackle and a half in the backfield. So hopefully, and as well as freshman Jacob Lacey. So hopefully they all form a very solid rotation in the middle, and getting after the passer off the edge will, will prove to be the defensive uh, side of the ball strength. So defensive ends, as I mentioned, get an A+. Defensive tackles get a solid B for depth. And the defensive line's overall grade is an A-. 
So which brings us to the linebackers. This is actually one of the biggest question marks of the entire team. So here we go. Projected starters. Again, this is fluid. This is fluid. We do have several folks who are battling for positions uh, every day in practice, but Asmar Bilal will certainly be in the middle, and he, he's coming back with the, being the most seasoned player. He's a senior, uh, Indianapolis guy, but he had 50 tackles and three tackles for loss last year. So a guy who's rising uh, in camp is Rover Jeremiah Wosu koromoa So he played in two games last year, but he's a freak athlete, and he is one that a lot of people are kind of whispering about as someone who could make really big strides. And um, also filling out the, the linebacking core, you're going to get a combination of perhaps onward to victories, watch list Jack Lamb, who has impressed in some practices, as well as uh, J, uh, Jordan Denmark Heath, uh, JGH, as, as some people call him. So, But honestly, aside from Bilal, who's had some issues, had a little bit of issues as, as far as tackling, uh, being in the right spot, making good solid reads in the past, this is the one that this position group gives me the most pause. And, and as Bilal will have to set the tone for the defense in the middle and replacing, you know, Tavon Coney at middle linebacker. So he hasn't, Bilal hasn't seemed to capture the faith of the Notre Dame coaching staff. But either way, his time is now. And after Bilal, the ranks get pretty thin, as I mentioned, as far as experience. So we'll see. Uh, losing Drew Tranquil, Rat Rover to the NFL has. It's a, it's a little unnerving. So that's not only production, but also leadership. So as I mentioned, uh, Awusu, excuse me, Awusu Koromoa could could lead the spot uh, as far as the weak side linebacker. Um, so we'll see, or excuse me, the rover. We'll just see. We'll see how it works out. Um, but you're going to get a lot of guys in the mix. A lot of guys will have an opportunity to prove themselves. And even local Mishawaka product, Paul Moala, uh, could you could see him in there too? So we'll see. A lot of rawness, a lot of inexperience, but there are some young, exciting prospects. So linebackers earnings a C minus from me. Now the defensive backfield, another position of strength for the most part. Uh, safeties get an A, and that is Jalen Elliott and Aloe Gilman. Now between those two, you're returning 162 tackles and three interceptions, as well as numerous passes defense. So this is the safety tandem. That is the strength of the back seven, without question. Aloe Gilman is one of my favorite Notre Dame players on the current squad, um, and he will be fun to watch. And Jalen Elliott as well. Um, gosh, th th look for them to create some disruption and noise and big plays. So, But uh, after the safety position, oh, also, be remiss not to mention, Kyle Hamilton, first-year freshman safety. He is making plays left and right during camp, and he is on everybody's lips. So again, Kyle Hamilton, keep an eye out for him. And then uh, as far as corners, again, they're, they're actively competing. Now I have Troy Pride Jr., who is a senior, uh, who had two picks last year. He'll probably pull out of the number one or number two uh, matchups. And onward to victory watch list, Houston Griffith. Uh, a little bit raw, but great size. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, luckily, like I said, the safety tandem of, of Gilman and Elliott hopefully will provide something of an anchor uh, for the defensive backfield while the corners kind of adjust. But don't be surprised, especially you know Jake Fromm there in week three. They're going to be attacking those cornerbacks. So there'll be at least ample opportunities to kind of prove themselves. So I'm giving the safeties an A and the cornerback final grade a C plus. So the secondary gets a B altogether, and the total defensive grade is a B minus. So let's start from the top really quickly. 
me shuffle my papers back, pardon me. So offensive line for me gets an A. Tight ends get a C plus. Wide receivers, a B plus. Running back, B minus. Quarterback, an A. On the defensive side of the ball, defensive line gets an A minus with the defensive ends getting an A plus and tackles getting a B. Linebackers get a C minus. Safeties get an A and cornerbacks get a C plus. So the secondary gets an overall score of a B. Overall, total uh, offense gets a B plus and defense gets a B minus. Again, that is how they stand today. That has nothing to do with how they're going to mature throughout the course of the season, but I'm trying to be realistic with these with these grades. So I will be posting all these to social media. So if you disagree vehemently, I'd love to have that discussion with you. So in our final bit, uh, we'll be right back with the Athlon Sports uh, Anonymous Coach Scouting Report for Notre Dame. So we'll kind of break down what uh, the anonymous coaches uh, have to say about our team this year. So we'll be right back. All right, let's jump right in. So not too terribly long ago, Athlon Sports released an article that had coaches anonymously scouting Notre Dame for the upcoming season. So I'm going to read the quotes here, and we'll kind of just talk about them, talk about uh, my thoughts and all that. So, quote, last year's team was by far the best of the Brian Kelly time in South Bend. They're athletic all over again, and the entire team identity was redefined by Ian Book. They changed over coaches and schemes, but it's really all about that quarterback. For the first time, they could be lethal in both the run and the pass from that position. As long as he stays healthy and builds on his passing, they will be a playoff contender again this season. Now, I think that's really optimistic, but they do touch on the fact that Ian Book is truly a bit of an athlete, uh, whether he's throwing the ball or passing the ball. Uh, so when it comes to running, I think he's kind of a sneaky good athlete. Uh, last year, he averaged 23 yards per game on the ground, and as I mentioned earlier, those four touchdowns. This anonymous coach, though, does hit on the fact that like, if he stays healthy, that is a concern for a lot of people, myself included. So uh, I will be crossing my fingers every Saturday, but I do think this is an astute quote. If, if Ian Book can make that, tr that continue to that progress and that progression, he could very easily you know, be lighting the scoreboard up nearly every weekend and if this defense grows into themselves, they can they can maybe not be as good as last year's defense. Last year's defense was incredibly good. I think they averaged giving up less than 17 points a game. But if if Notre Dame is equipped where you know they can if they get in a shootout, that's not necessarily going to be a bad thing because they can they can score in bunches. So quote number two quote There's plenty of talent behind what they're losing at wide receiver and tight end. They have a really solid and dynamic group of running backs. And if they can replace the inside offensive line guys who graduated, they'll be just as good running the ball. So again, when he's when whoever whoever this is is talking about inside offensive line guys who graduated, again they're talking about Alex Bars and Sam Mustafer. But diverse, uh, or excuse me, dynamic is a great way to describe the running backs because, as I mentioned earlier, Jafar Armstrong was was recruited as a wide receiver. So naturally, he's a he is a he's become a really tough nosed runner, but. Given he's a wide receiver, he's adept at catching the ball, but also he's really great at working in space. And uh, Tony Jones Jr. behind him could be just as dynamic. So 
I think this is also a quote that I agree with, and I think they could be just as good at running the football um, despite not having uh, Dexter Williams from a year ago. The third quote is, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the second reason for their turnaround is that they've got freak defensive ends, guys who can really disrupt. All of their best guys are coming back. That's the line I underlined, and of course, they're talking about Julian Alquara and Khalid Kareem. So this is, a, this is a spread offense. I mean, unless you're the Naval Academy, most offenses these days are spread offenses. Nobody's really running what used to be kind of prototypically called a pro style. It's mostly spreading the ball, spreading the defense out as thin as possible. So at that point, when your defensive backs are really on islands, it is of paramount importance that you're getting pressure off the edge, and we are equipped to do so, and that is really exciting going into the 2019 season. So, quote four, their schedule ended up being a little lighter last year, but they're going to have a gut check with Georgia early on. In hindsight, there's no shame in losing to Clemson like that, talking about the Cotton Bowl last year. The trick is to try and close that gap against the elite SEC country teams that give them so many problems with defensive speed. And I guess the... The phrase I underline is gut check. That is gonna, we're gonna figure out really quickly just how good Notre Dame is. Now they do have to go to Athens and they are gonna have to battle Georgia on the road, which is gonna be incredibly difficult. But it's true, when you look at SEC teams, honestly, the defensive speed is, is kind of, it's kind of their, their, their touchstone. That's what kind of teams are known for in the SEC. But, we're going to get a test early on just to see how good Notre Dame is, and it's going to be really exciting. I'm excited for it, and we'll, we'll get a good sense of this team early on. So here we go. Quote number five, Brian Kelly really found a second life with the new coaching staff. It was touch and go there for a while. The scheme didn't drastically change. It was all execution, and this one of the five is my absolute favorite quote. So... It was all execution, and there's nothing against, I'm not saying there's anything against former defensive coordinator Brian Van Gorder, but the, the coordinator duo of Chip Long and Clark Lee. Chip Long is the offensive coordinator, and Clark Lee is the defensive coordinator. First of all, I like the fact they're a little younger. Um, Chip is 36, Clark's 38, but you just feel like it's a much tighter ship under this current regime. It's a lot of the same players, honestly, but you're just seeing, you're seeing a lot more output out of them and the scheme is virtually the same. I mean, sure, Book's a little bit more of a prototypical pocket passer as opposed to Brandon Wimbush who can kind of run around a little bit. But the fact is, is they just look better. They look, they look sharper. And I think everybody who watches can agree. So, you know, you also have uh, Brian Pullian, who's the special teams coordinator. In addition, he also does most of the, uh, the recruiting coordinating as well. And Mike Elston, who's the associate head coach, he's been around with Kelly since 2010. I mean, you know, you have a very strong nucleus. And I think Kelly is a great coach. And I'm certainly a Kelly apologist. But it doesn't change the fact that he certainly has surrounded himself with people who who it seems like they're much more detail-oriented than previous coaches. So that was coaches anonymously scouting Notre Dame in 2019 or for 2019. And I really enjoyed reading these because it's interesting. Anonymous is, is always kind of problematic in some senses, but this is actually a, a good, I think it was a fair assessment of the team. I think a lot of people are, are realizing that Notre Dame can be really good this year. And I think the floor for them is that they're just merely a good football team. I think they could be really good. But 
we'll just kind of have to see how it plays out. So as I mentioned, I kind of mentioned earlier my worries with the schedule. I'm a natural worrier when it comes to, to the football season, but I think, as I mentioned, with everything in place and the brain trust that's in place, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna have a really, really good season. So, I'm actually feeling a nine and three regular season and winning a bowl game. So, the unofficial official onward to victory win total. We'll put them right at ten. We'll put them at ten, uh, marking the third straight year that the Irish won double digit games. And I hope it's so. I think, like I said, I think we got it. I think we got this. And. 10-3 and three would be very respectable, and if things bounce our way, if this team loses one game, maybe two games, and they're heading in late into the season, they're going to be in the college football playoff talk, and that'll be really awesome, really exciting, and a huge step for this program. Um, so we'll see. So 10-3, and three, that's, that's what I'm going to go with. So let's get to some messages here. Now, as you probably saw on the Facebook, uh, on the Facebook page, the winner, uh, whoever wrote the show a message, would be automatically put in a drawing to win another autographed Notre Dame football card. So I'm going to read the messages today, and I will announce the winner on Facebook. But first, wanted to give a couple shout-outs. So first is to Philip Jennings out of Noblesville, Indiana, who consistently likes a lot of the page's content. I really do appreciate it, Philip. Big time, actually. The second goes to Dudley Tuttle, who lives in Davidson, Alabama, down in SEC country, so to speak, but is originally from Indianapolis, Indiana. And he was on the 1983 football, um, the Indiana School for the Deaf. Uh, they were the national championships uh, among the deaf prep schools. So I uh, figured I'd give him at least a little bit of a shout out for that. So, um, But we did have some people write in to the inbox. So let me read those. So Deb from Lima, Ohio, said that her favorite football player is Jim Lynch, of course, as you might remember. The invitation was to say anything like, go Irish, your prognosis for the 2019 year, if you have a favorite Irish football player. Uh, I just kind of wanted to hear from some of the members of the audience. So as I mentioned, Deb from Lima, Ohio says Jim Lynch and makes perfect sense. Jim Lynch, of course, was a linebacker on the 1966 national championship team, played for a lot of those really good Kansas City Chiefs teams of the 60s and 70s, but all before that, he is a proud graduate of Lima Central Catholic in Lima, Ohio which is, of course, where Deb is hailing from. So thank you, Deb, for the message. Second, we have Connor from Dayton, Ohio. And he says, was so excited to see the show come to Apple Podcasts. I binged the first three episodes in one day and cannot wait to watch the show take off. Connor, I really appreciate the kind sentiments. And I've actually been to Dayton twice in the last week. Great city, as always, a very, very awesome city. So thank you very much for that message. It was very kind of you. And let's see here. Colton from Cleveland, Ohio says, Go Irish. Looking forward to another great season. I'm most excited to see how well Julian Aquara does. Freak of an athlete right there. Thank you very much, Colton from Cleveland, Ohio. I couldn't agree more. I'm really excited for it. So I appreciate all the kind messages, all the sentiment, all of it, all of your predictions, all of it. So I hope to hear from more of you. Continue liking. Send the show a message at any time. As I will always say, I will read all of it. So... I want to thank you all once again. So this has kind of been uh, a bit longer than our normal episode, but that's okay. Not only by a couple minutes, but uh, hopefully this is informative. Hopefully it was fun to listen to. As I mentioned, hopefully it just kind of gets you ready for the season. I am struggling to contain my excitement. I am ready. I, I, I am ready just to, to get this thing going. Uh, you know, once you get inside the six-month mark, then it just feels like every day is a crawl. So uh, we are here. We're less than three weeks away, and I think the boys are ready. And I know we're ready to watch them. So if you want to interact with the show, 
Uh, again, it's facebook.com slash onward to victory podcast. Please drop the show an email at onward to victory podcast at gmail.com. If you found the show, and I say the word us a lot, say if you found us on Apple Podcasts, truthfully, the us is truthfully me. Uh, I use the royal us a lot, so to speak, but this is a one man show. So any interaction I can have with any of you listening, data is suggesting that a lot of you are actually finding the show on Apple Podcasts. So feel free to jump over to the Facebook page, give us a like, give us a follow, send the show a message and I like I said I'll read it so uh, facebook.com slash onward to victory podcast uh, g- uh, excuse me onward to victory podcast at gmail.com if you want to go to the host podbean site is at podbean.com excuse me onward to victory.podbean.com so that's where the uh, website is in case you don't have Apple uh, find all the episodes there that's where they get uploaded to first actually and then if you want to donate a little bit to the show become one of our consensus onward to victory all Americans um, you know donate however much you'd like if it's just a couple bucks three bucks five bucks it doesn't matter I will make sure when you do you leave your your uh, address and I'll send you uh, as I mentioned some onward to victory swag but that is at paypal.me slash onward to victory so let's do some cruel and unusual punishment to me and start at the top so Facebook is facebook.com slash onward to victory podcast the email address is onward to victory podcast at gmail.com the Podbean site is onwardtovictory.podbean.com, and the PayPal site is paypal.me slash onwardtovictory. It means a whole heck of a lot that you're electing to spend a little bit of your time listening to me talk about Notre Dame football, and clearly something we're all very passionate about. So passion loves company. I'll say it again and again and again. Passion loves company, so don't hesitate to find a way to connect with me. I do this just to really pursue what I am passionate about and finding an audience for that is is merely a bonus. So thank you again so very much. I am actually working on one more story type episode before the start of the regular season. So I actually, there'll be a poll on the Facebook page. Please vote, uh, please vote in it. Uh, I have four ideas that I'm gonna throw out. Please vote for one and I will go either way with it. But let's sign off. This has been Onward to Victory and I am your host, Alex Painter, and as always, go Irish.